activities. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Thank you so much for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories. So let's get going and tune our imaginations together. This morning, I'm going to talk about stories. And some stories become known to many people around the world. Think about Alice in Wonderland, Goodnight Moon, The Tortoise and the Hare, Sula, A Hundred Years of Solitude, Homer's Odyssey, Frankenstein, Peter Pan, The Cat in the Hat, Romeo and Juliet, Wizard of Oz, James Bond. I could go on and on and on. There are so many stories that travel the world. And I hope, and this is just the things that popped into my mind. And I hope that you have a long, wide-ranging, fantastically wonderful list of cherished stories. There's nothing better than the company of a memorable character, good adventures, and life-changing stories. When you hear the names of these books, I bet you have an image that pops into your imagination. These are some of the stories that have been carried across time and have been told and retold and reimagined in many ways. And I'm fascinated by how these stories become part of our human experience. They go deeper than the characters or the plot of the story. They show us something about the world, about ourselves. They help us understand the lives of others, teach us the joy of being curious. And I wonder, why is it that some stories live on? And here's what I kind of have this idea. Nothing scientific, nothing proven. If there's an imagination code, like the DNA sequence that circulates in the world, and some of these codes captivate us so much that we share the stories and the connections become deeper and the resonance more expansive so that the story takes hold in us and moves us to keep expanding the ideas in the story and we begin building more worlds for the story. And this is what is passed around and around the world. One of my favorite writing books is called Big Magic from Elizabeth Gilbert. And in that book, one of the ways that she talks about a creative living is the process of ideas in the ether. And she says that those ideas in the ether seek human connections and partners. And ideas are in motion and always swirling around us. I love that idea of that being a possibility. And you have to be receptive to receiving them. And I think this way of imagining the creative process is really fascinating because she said sometimes a story will come to you and you will grab hold of it and, you know, become obsessed with it and, you know, keep working on it. But sometimes you let it pass and that means it goes to somebody else. 
and you miss the opportunity to tell the story. I think that's something to think about. I, I, it's just one of those things I'd never thought about. And she talks about also, and I didn't write this down, so it's from memory, the idea, you know, sometimes in scientific discoveries, there'll be two people in different parts of the world that will discover exactly the same thing. And you wonder, how did that happen? And that happens with books and stories, too. In fact, she has a great story about her and Ann Patchett and how that happened. So or I highly recommend Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And so this is how we maybe pass stories along. And sometimes that's that's how it works. I don't know. I want to know more about that. I think what's important is that we're receptive to the ideas that present themselves to us. We should be curious about an idea. It's worth pondering how we catch a piece of a story magic that's destined for us. And I say listening, looking, wondering, playing with the pieces of story that come through us should be one of our ways of being in the world. We all need ideas, and I believe we also all need stories. What if we realize that we need stories like we need food and water? Stories help shape our lives, and we need stories to understand our world and who we are in this world. Stories are the ladder of life, and pay attention to the stories that grab hold of you. Keep discovering why a particular story envelopes you. Play in that space of imagination. Of course, learn to always access your imagination. So I hope that gives you some little food for thought today. And today in the Arts Annie Radio Studio, I am very excited to welcome director Rachel Hyder and actors Andrew Artley and Pauline Jennings to preview the Northfield Arts Guild production of Peter and the Starcatcher. I'm going to go ahead and pop up the microphone so folks can jump in here. And that opens up on July 15th. We're doing this a little bit early. I think there's probably going to be a demand for these tickets, and I want people to not miss out on the opportunity for this show. It's at the Northfield Arts Guild. Of course, you can get information at northfieldartsguild.org, and we're going to talk about this. It says, prepare to be whisked away on the adventure of a lifetime as the Guild Theater presents Neverland to Northfield with the Tony Award-winning play Peter and the Starcatcher. And this is the story, it's a raucous romp, it's, it's kind of hard to say, raucous romp of a comedy by Rick Ellis, a theatrical adaptation of the 2004 novel Peter and the Starcatchers by Dave Barry, who, if you know Dave Barry, you know all, that line alone makes me want to go see <laughs> the entire show. And also Ridley Pearson. It's a humorous and fantastical story of what happened before Peter Pan met Wendy. And it's the grown-ups prequel to Peter Pan. So welcome to Arts Annie Radio. I'd love for you to introduce ourselves to your, our listeners so they can learn a little bit about you. We'll start with Rachel. Rachel's been on many times with some fabulous shows. This one in particular I think you're very excited about. I am. Well, thank you for having us. Of course. Tell us, remind our listeners a little bit about you and tell us you know, how this show came to be in Northfield. Sure. Uh, I'm Rachel Heider, and I have been living in Northfield since 2004, so I think that officially makes me a townie now by some Is people's there the accounts. Number? I was I've, wondering about that. I've heard 15 years, and I'm beyond that, so... Oh, good. <laughs> Proof. We'll I passed the test. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Arts Guild really welcomed me immediately upon um, coming here, and it's been my home ever since, and... Uh, what a wonderful organization it is, and it brings just so much joy to our community. And so I've uh, been directing many shows in the regular season, and then uh, along with Joe Jorgensen, I started the Purple Door Youth Theater, so I've also been involved with that. And and I do shows down at the Paradise, too. I'll be doing their fall uh, production of The Humans. 
Mm. But um, Peter and the Starcatcher was actually supposed to be on a season that was canceled because of COVID. Uh, but it was brought back because it is such a delightful, raucous romp, as you said. <laughs> um, and so I've, I have been dreaming about this show for many years, actually. And uh, it's, it's perfect for our stage because uh, most of the set and uh, settings, I guess you might say, um, are are very simple and don't require a lot of fancy staging. Uh, and so, you know, we have a tiny stage and we have a really inventive cast. So it's it's just a win-win. It sounds like it's going to be quite, quite fun. And I, everybody I've talked to who's either in it or interested in it has just been, you know, just you can just see it bubbling up in them that they're so <laughs> excited. So that's good news. And also joining us now, you, <laughs> Andrew Artley, I hear your character coming through. You know, it's to be here in Northfield on July 1st is such a wonderful thing. I'm incognito this morning. I there shaved. Are I yes. shaved, and I made sure that I got rid of the bushy handlebar. But it, it will be back by noon. <laughs> oh wow! The <laughs> other persona I use is this Andrew character. It keeps me out of trouble with the local police. So. <laughs> we should tell people the name of your character. Uh, Blackstash is a wonderful, wonderful character. But I must say that I am absolutely nothing without my nemesis, Peter Pan. And if you do see him around, make sure you point me in the right direction. Mm, I have not seen Peter Pan recently, no. so... <laughs> we'll I keep... haven't. I'm keeping him away from you. Oh, very good. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Is there any way we can flip over to Andy? Well, we could, but... Me, 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 me. Yeah, there we go. Hello. Welcome to Arts Any Radio. I have known you through your beautiful daughters who've been on Arts Any Radio. I've got some wonderful ladies. And um, what's interesting about the story of Peter and the Star Catchers, plural, mm. is uh, the book. Dave Barry, as you talked about. But I've got uh, two of my girls that remember me reading this story. Storytelling has been a huge thing in our family and um, lots and lots of different storytelling, both books and reading, but also making up our own stories and adventures along the way. So Peter and the Starcatchers has been a, uh, um, a thought process and a, a novel we're very familiar with. Did you do the voice for the girls, too? Oh, we do all the voices. <laughs> <laughs> we do all the voices, and so that's what, it's fun. We developed uh, characters, and so you know my daughters, both uh, Bryn Artley, who's worked with with uh, Rachel here in the past, as well as Kiara has here, too. And I think they've both been on your, your show here in the past, They too. have, yeah. and they're just very talented young ladies, so it's fun. Yeah. And so have you always, have you done acting? Is that where they got the acting bug? Um, yeah, we did a little, little bit a long, long time ago. And then uh, I met this wonderful lady uh, back in college and my wife, and somehow I got snagged and went off to Never Never Land for 30-plus <laughs> years and just recently <laughs> came back and uh, having a little bit of fun. So, oh, wonderful. That, well, welcome to Arts Annie Radio. I'm thank glad you so you're here. Much. And the, our next guest, Pauline Jennings, will be a familiar voice to our listeners on KYMN. I hope so. Oh, <laughs> let's see. You're, oh, you know what? I popped the wrong mic. 
There we I go. hope so. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, because you um, have hosted uh, musician with, talk with Cosmo. Oh, oh, curtain call with Cosmo and Pauline. Yes, yeah. we've been doing that since COVID. In the middle of the first year, I think, we started that and doing everything via Zoom. And so we have uh, actually uh, James Muth, who plays Peter, on this. <gasps> there right, he is this tomorrow. He, is it? I think it's no, today. Peter Pan's on with it with me oh on, what what day is this today today is Friday, Friday. <laughs> oh my goodness it's on today yeah, it's awesome. right after this show we'll like that's where Peter Pan is that's Peter. Right. Hey, don't so we, we're gonna get Black Stash out of the building before Peter comes in because we don't want any kerfuffle exactly I love that word kerfuffle so tell us a little bit about yourself other than the radio show you've done a lot of uh, singing and music and, and theater in town I have I have um, mostly singing um, in bands the last 20 plus years uh, but uh, before that I was in theater up in St. Cloud part of a theater company up there and learned kind of got my chops up there my got, learned a lot because I worked with a lot of really incredible uh, actors and directors as I am for this show too um, and then and then I started getting in rock bands and and did that for many many years and didn't act during that time because it's that takes that took up most of my time other than working and then um, quit my job and, and, and started the creative life, which is glorious. You, you know, you worry about money because that's always an issue with doing creative things, um, unless you're at a certain level. But, but boy, life is so much better mm-hmm. and, and so much less stressful, right? Um, and I also host Musician Talk, which is just a thrill to do. I meet so many incredible people through doing that show. Um, I'm I'm really excited to be a part of this show because oh my god it's such a delight I swear <laughs> we were on stage and like last night I'm like okay we're kind of getting to the point where you're not supposed to be reacting like laughing on stage you're supposed to be rea- reacting keeping as the character, character keeping yes. the character and I just couldn't because these guys are so funny I mean just a delight absolutely delightful I play Mrs Bumbrake who is a nanny and I think there's a lot of spoilers we could have here but we don't want to because. Part of the show is revealing things, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Is there so. something that's memorable about her character that we'll know as you walk on stage? Who she, she is. She is well, not when I walk on stage, but soon after I start speaking. Um, Mrs. Bumbrake is her name, her name. She's a nanny, Mrs. Bumbrake, and she loves alliteration. <laughs> she does everything. She particularly if it's bees. You know, bed, uh, bring the bucket before Betty Bobrick blows her blooming breakfast. Lines like that. So <laughs> it's delightful. It's fun, fun, fun. It sounds like you're having a blast with I it. I am. I am. And so this is the complete invented tale of what happened, you know, Peter Pan's backstory, basically. Exactly. So if you think about <coughs> Wicked, which was obviously continues to be a very popular Broadway show, Wicked is the backstory to The Wizard of Oz, and Peter and the Starcatchers is the backstory to Peter Pan. And so this takes, it's all imagined of what might be, but I love that when stories do that. They, they're they so rich and so much a part of us that we start asking questions like, well, how did that happen? Why is it that, you know, Peter Pan stays a boy? And why is it that he can fly? And then this one might, this story answers a few of those questions. Absolutely. The the characters that eventually somehow wiggle their way into the show uh, would be Mrs. Darling. So the the girl in our show is not Wendy. 
Uh, this because, is pre-Wendy. Right. This is a generation before Wendy. So uh, our girl's name is Molly, and Molly then becomes Mrs. Darling uh, in the uh -huh. Peter Pan story. Uh, but in our story, Molly is really the hero at a, at a time when girls were not encouraged to be heroes. Uh, but she she is. But and so so we meet we meet her. We meet uh, someone along the way that might eventually become Captain Hook. Uh, someone who might become <laughs> Tinkerbell. Uh, <laughs> there's a crocodile. There are natives. There are mermaids. All of those characters that you would expect, but in unexpected ways. And that's what makes it exciting. And mm -hmm. clearly you have uh, another relationship with Peter that is also sort of adversarial. Oh, it's very adversarial. <laughs> it's a bit love and hate. I must find that boy and destroy him. However, without a Peter, there can be no me. There's nothing. It's, it's, <laughs> he makes me completely whole. So I must have him, but I must hate him at the same time. Fascinating. That brings the story, I think, that's when, when you have that kind of dichotomy there. Mm. And first, we have to talk about a star catcher, because that's in the title, Peter and the Star Catcher. What, I mean... I think if you hear that title, you think this is going to be a good story because you see <laughs> a star catcher is just such a captivating idea. Do we get to know in the story what a star catcher is? You do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Come buy a ticket. You'll find out. So that's a surprise. Okay. Well, now I'm intrigued and I must, must uh, decide. I'll, I'll come up with an idea of my own and see if it's the same. And that's perfect. I love yeah. that. That's that's fun. That's fun to do in a play. And so we won't get... I was curious about that. And of course, you mentioned there's all the things that you would expect in, in the adventures of, you know, some, a story of Peter Pan it has some of the same things. And uh, tell us why you think that the story of Peter Pan has such hold on us and continues to be a part of, you know, the culture. I think generations of kids have heard the story of Peter Pan. And I love, it's one of those that you see it in movies, you see it reinvented and retold and, you know, new, you know, settings, darker settings, you know, just fantastical settings. What do you think about it now that you've been immersed in the backstory? What holds us to Peter Pan? You know, all throughout mythology, it's always the classic tale of good versus evil. And the story of Peter Pan on the surface is a children's tale. Mm -hmm. It has been. And we saw Disney do it. And then we saw some uh, 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 live uh, filming back in the uh, 70s, was it, when uh, they flew, uh, was it Sandy Duncan oh, on the stage? Oh, that's true. What's interesting have... is uh, um, it's actually got a great message about who we are and our, our identities here. And what's fascinating about this particular telling of it is you get you do get the backstory and you get a little bit more of the nuance of why these guys became this way and the relationship that we have in our world of good versus evil. What I find fascinating is that back in the 90s, the, uh, the movie Hook. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that film. I don't think the critics cared for it that much, but I loved Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. I loved Dustin. Can't go wrong with Robin Williams. No. Dustin <laughs> was, was just yeah. excellent. But it was a great story. It was a great story of retelling of it. And, uh, I'd this, forgotten about that yeah. movie. And then uh, this this uh, book series by uh, Dave Barry, um, and uh, it's, it's been 
fantastic and now they're telling of it. And, but I think there's a fascination that we see that all throughout all of our storytelling, good versus evil, and there's so many different stories that kind of tell the same story, but you can't have one without the other many times. And I think that might be part of the key to what keeps stories alive or what brings some further you know, into, into the ether is that they have that childlike magic that, that you know they can relate to but that also there's something in it for when you're grown up and you see a little bit of oh now that makes sense or I hadn't thought about the world that way it, you know so you have that element that appeals to multiple generations one more thing and I uh, um, when I first found out that uh, the guild was going to put this on here I think it was la- this last winter and I saw it and I thought oh another uh, children's event but I got to looking at it, and after investigating a little bit more, I said, no, this is not. This, <laughs> this is an adult event. And it's it's really, really a neat, neat story for people of our generation to actually sit down and have a little bit of fun. And I encourage everybody to, to come and take a look. Fabulous. Yeah, because uh, tell us about the tone of the, the story and kind of the humor in the story that might make it maybe for, I think it was recommended, maybe PG-13. Mm-hmm. Is that a good... Yeah, I think that's comparison. A good, I think that's a good thing. I just a couple of things back to what um, what you guys were just talking about, and I think also transformation stories mm. are really uh, I think uh, appeal to human beings because we all kind of want to transform. We all want to transform ourselves, right? Uh, well, maybe not everybody. I do. I mean, <laughs> in a, you know, in a, in, a, in a general way, we want to constantly grow and change and and become better. And this story, and a lot of origin stories for heroes include transformation, becoming, you know, becoming that, that hero and finding the good within them. Mm-hmm. And I think that we all yearn, yearn for that. And so we, we like to see stories about that, about becoming better and better and better. And also, I think it, there's kind of this phenomenon right now where children's, what you think of children's like comic books, uh, stories are made for hum- humans. <laughs> <laughs> for adults you know all the marvel stuff and we have all the origin stories that as soon as you become attracted or uh, um, attached to a character that that a movie has been about then they'll take that character and create the origin story because we all want to know about how this happened and that's the beauty of this show is we get to find out this beloved story this beloved character of peter pan and, and everybody else in that story, or many other characters in that story, we get to find out where they came from and how they transformed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah that transformation is a big key. So that's, a, that's another good point because it, it gives us hope, right? Yes. It, it gives us a reason to think, okay, there's, there's a possibility out there that the good will keep shining through. Exactly. And we need that. We, <laughs> we need do. that. It's been a t- really tough two years. And, I, and getting to the question that I did not answer is... It, it this this show is needed right now, I think, because honest to goodness, you're going to laugh with joy. I mean, <laughs> with 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 this charming too. I mean, you just will. It, you need to sit down and watch this show because you it will bring joy to your life when in a time when it's really hard to find it. I think sometimes mm-hmm. with the political stuff and with COVID, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's and hard. So, so we this, do. Yeah. And so, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Art Zany, Radio from the Imagination. I'm Paula Granquist. We're here talking about the Northfield Arts Guild production of Peter and the Starcatcher. 
And I'm, uh, the, that show opens on Friday, July 15th, runs for two weekends, Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30, and then Sundays at 2 p.m. Tickets are available online, northfieldartsguild.org. I've got a link in our posting on kymnradio.net. But you can also visit the uh, Northfield Arts Guild downtown. I don't know if I'd recommend waiting until the day of the show to go get your ticket. There's a <laughs> chance that it it may sell out. So I would recommend getting yours early. It's really a couple clicks and you can do it online or again you can stop down to the um, on Division Street here the Northfield Arts Guild downtown at 304 Division Street and they can help you out or even give them a call so get that information at northfieldartsguild.org I'm here with Rachel Hyder who's directing the production and actors Andrew Artley also known as Andy Artley and sometimes Blackstash comes into the studio (laughs) 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 and Pauline Jennings who is um, a great contributor to KYM and it's such an exciting thing to have you here and oh, thank you. I love listening to your show. I have to say I'm a little jealous of sometimes the sound effects you guys have on the show with Cosmo and Well that's <laughs> the beauty it's that's the beauty of pre recording and editing. But the the bad side of that is that you have to edit. So, <laughs> that takes a lot it takes some time to do that. But I would um, imagine But it's fun to insert those the sound effects, that's for sure. They are fun. I've learned a lot about theater and so folks if you're interested in going a little behind the scenes that show is a great way to learn more about uh, what happens and I want to talk a little bit about setting a play and I think um, one of the things I was thinking about I saw La Caja Fall last weekend which I talked about a little while ago on Arts Any Radio glorious show it was so exciting I hope you didn't miss it because it uh, it's, a, it's a big production and the costumes I'm still dreaming about some of those costumes because <laughs> they were so fantastic but their stage was really inventive and wonderful and that uh, birdcage was uh, just and it reminded me how I, maybe everybody doesn't know this but when you do a show no matter how iconic it is it doesn't come with a kit that says here's your stage and here's how you can invent it each show has to in each theater has to reinvent that world and there are a lot of choices you get to make on how you want to present that and of course some of that is the constraints of the space that you have and you know the number of people you have in the show and what you know actions have to happen how many entrances and exits there are so how did you dream about this show and putting it together on stage and talk about some of the people behind the scenes who are putting it uh you know making it happen right well, uh, Peter and the Starcatcher is uh, famously known for being pretty much nothing. Um, we have taken the angle of uh, this essentially being a children's story, even though this particular one is certainly meant for adults. Um, and so when you walk into the theater, you're just going to basically see a jungle gym on the stage Um, something you know reminiscent of a playground Um, and a lot of our props are actually toys children's toys or things that kids would just use in their play I know that play is an important topic for you (laughs) Paula Um, and uh, so uh, you know like take some toilet paper tubes and turn them into binoculars or something like that. So um, there are even times when the actors themselves create part of the set with their bodies. Hmm. Um, 
so it's it it's really like a a bunch of kids playing and yet uh you don't ever it it's there's never really uh that that isn't stated at all it's it's just a feeling i guess and so you have to try to create enough on the stage for us to set our minds mm -hmm. but enough that it leaves room for us to fill exactly exactly oh, I, I think that's exciting and of course part of what makes a show is also the other things that come to all the technical things the lights and the music right. and i heard you mention that there's music in the show there is so it's not a musical but it's, exactly but it is considered a play with music and uh, there are some traditional songs and dances um but it it's not a a through theme like it would be with a musical. Uh, they show up when it's when there's an important moment to to use music. However, throughout the show, there is a soundtrack basically, uh, which our our pianist and music director is Peter Webb. And wow, our, he's been busy this summer. Yes, he has. <laughs> and our percussionist is Dean Newberger. And um, those two gentlemen will basically be playing from the time the show starts to the time the show ends. So it's oh. sort of like a silent film where there's all this uh, music underneath that really helps accentuate moments and, um, you know, help with the excitement and such. And that's I, I think also, I think, melodrama, too, the, that mm -hmm. has that kind of... Definitely. You break into song every once in a while, but there's uh, they, you use the music to accentuate mood and, and timing and, and, and accentuate things. And mm -hmm. also, this play is a bit like a me melodrama in that it's very broad. The characters are large, larger mm -hmm. than life. <laughs> and... Um, and that I can, adds, of course, to the fun, right? And and it's so much fun as an actor too, you know. <laughs> bigger, I think, at least for me, I always want to hear from the director. Could you make it a little bigger? All right. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. yet, there are very sweet, tender, realistic and moments. There are as exactly. well. So, like, Peter starts out actually as with with no name in in the show. He starts out as boy, and he's just this feral orphan. Uh, who has been literally beaten down his whole life. And through the course of the show, he actually learns what it is to become a man, and yet, ironically, ends up staying a boy. So... Yeah, I think that cool. it's it's an interesting interplay between the broad characters and the, the sweet, realistic characters, because mm -hmm. really, Peter's not all that broad of mm -hmm. a character, nope. nor is Molly. Uh, but the people that surround them, uh, the characters in the show, uh, can be, and that provides the humor. And, but there is so much tenderness to it. Mm -hmm. And poignancy as well, I think, with the transformation and, and realizations, all those things that hit home for all of us. And yeah. so it with sounds like humor. a show and they're like, who couldn't love this, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's got something for everybody. And now when you come on the stage... Andy, uh, are people supposed to do the sort of melodrama thing of, you know, I, I don't know if I might oh. want to say it and plant the seed for everybody. <laughs> when I make an entrance, I expect an ovation always. <laughs> Be 
being able to see my presence before you is just a wonderful, wonderful experience for everybody. So. Oh, boy. And so have you had fun being over the top and, and embracing yes. this, I mean, iconic? That, that He's wonderful. There is lots of monologuing. And one of the challenges is um, having not been on stage here for a little bit is getting my older brain to uh, get the synaptic neurons to engage properly in the right order through a monologue. Stash has a tendency to... um, He is a poet at heart. He is. Very much a romantic. But um, one of the things that um, visiting with Rachel about this part early on, she asked the question, what does everybody want? And we want to have some fun. We want to have some fun. And you, she asked that of the cast? Yes. Oh, yes. not of what the character wants, but what, what you, you want? as the, you the actors. And what Rachel has done with her mentorship and her, her uh, directorship is she's allowed us to engage these characters and make them obtuse and make them bigger than life and uh, still pushing us to make them even more so. And mm-hmm. so the audience, when you come and see this show, uh, be prepared to have a good time. And uh, yes, if you want to boo, if you want to hiss, if you want to <laughs> clap, if you, if you want to believe, we want you there. And I think that's something the play talks about too: is that idea of friendship and you know unbreakable bonds. And I think that's something that keeps everybody coming back to the theater: is the community that's created and the you know that that is an experience um, that. I think it shows through to the audience because people can feel that when there's that trust between players and the, you know, um, the sense of fun that you're bringing, or, you know, the emotions that the characters are having are, are genuine and felt. Uh, you know, what has your experience been with this cast and crew? It's a, it's a large group, and um, you, you know, you're almost to that point of bringing it to couple weeks away from being uh, performed. Working beside this lady's been fun, listening to her character as she brought in. Her character was already developed before she even came in the first time. <laughs> I mean, just fascinating. You can see the professionalism she's brought from the past. But working with... Uh, Gotta give him a shout-out also to my right-hand man, Smee. He couldn't be here this morning because he's in jail somewhere. <laughs> He wrestling is so wonderful on stage. He's such oh. a great physical actor. Noah Schaumburg. Oh, I was yes. going to say. He knows how to use his body on stage, boy. Oh, he wow. does. Amazing. And no. Noah is now going to be out at Arcadia, Arcadia, Arcadia yes. which yes. I had heard. Yes. So that's a very exciting thing for them to have him. Uh, Absolutely. So I can't wait to see him on stage. I, I guess I haven't seen him before. I think one of my favorite things about this show, too, is that it's, uh, I think the casting was fourteen, age 14 plus. And so we have teenagers in the show, mm. and then we have 50 plus people other in it, right? Ages. Other ages. <laughs> Speak for that yourself. are way up there. <laughs> I am speaking for myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's a, just such a delight. And there's people in the show that I've worked with before and that I know pretty well. And there's people that I'm meeting for the first time. And that also is a joy of doing shows. Um, and part of the com- community thing is is making those connections. And these are the kind of connections that uh, will pr- pretty much last, last a lifetime. I mean, even if it's just one show, if you see that person 30 years from now, you remember that you were in the show with them. And that connection, because you have to have so much trust on stage, those connections are built immediately. 
I mean, really, you, you have to have them. Otherwise, you can't do a show. You have to have trust because you're so vulnerable when, when you're in, in rehearsals, right? You have to fail before you succeed. And you're, you're failing in, bunch of, in front of a bunch of people. And failing, I'm putting quotes, right? You're making choices that are that maybe not working or, you know, whatever it happens to be. You have to be very, very vulnerable. And so it opens your heart so quickly to all those people on that you're working with. And that's such a big beauty of... Uh, being an actor t- to me and it's happening definitely on this show too oh that is something that i hadn't thought about that idea of really exposing your you know thought pr- creative thinking and being vulnerable to you know and and receiving suggestions and you know trusting that the folks that you're with are going to only elevate and make make it better yeah. and that's that's something really amazing to create I'm, I like to talk about that, actually. This is one of my favorite things about theater, and particularly with children, because I think that having children be in, a, in an atmosphere where they are vulnerable and, and then they're safe, mm-hmm. um, and, and that their fellow actors around them, and Rachel has done this so beautifully through Pur- Purple Door, and you can mm-hmm. see it with these kids now that I have grown up with her as a director, that they're, they're generous, they're kind, they lift each other up. They're, all these things that you learn in the theater that are so important for being good human beings, um, that that uh, that point is very important for me because of that, because of particularly with children. I think that's that does make this a unique community because we have that investment in theater mm-hmm. with young all the way up, and anybody can be on stage at any time, yeah. and that's that's essential. And also, when you said the word family, there are some family <laughs> uh, pairings here of. You know, uh, I think it's father son. Uh, yes, Greg two Muth. Father sons. Yeah, tell yeah, us. Yeah, we have Greg Muth and his son James Muth, and we have Steve Lawler and his son Sebastian Lawler. So yeah, and they've all been on fun. stage and been really uh, just had great roles. So this is fun to see them uh, be. I think the sons are doing some of the the bigger roles. Am I? Uh, well, yes, James is, is our Peter Pan. Ah. So, yes. Oh, we gave a clue. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. As if, if we didn't know that they were related, you wouldn't know because the characters are so drastically different and they have their own identities and um, they're just a joy to watch. Every one of them, and you have just amazing names of people. We you know, we can't go through the whole list, but it is at the northfieldartsguild.org dot org website, and many familiar names people uh, will will know, and some new ones too. Right, so, we'll have which I think I love about every show is you you know that becoming as an audience member, you get to to see people anew, and then hear you know some new talents that make you go, I want to come back again. <laughs> Yes, and on the artistic side, we started talking about that earlier. We have uh, Mary Hahn is doing our choreography. Uh, Sam Mastin is doing our fight choreography, which there's um, some, well, of some course, interesting fights. <laughs> has to be some swashbuckling moments with, you know. Uh, Ooh, they're all. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got these, this cast of characters and you've got pirates and ships and you just must you must <laughs> but you come and see what what <laughs> exactly. happens uh we have uh helen dillon doing our our mm. beautiful costumes uh once again she's just such a joy in this community mm-hmm. scott swanson uh has built our jungle gym for us um we have greg bauer on the lights um 
Who else am I missing? Scott Swanson. Scott. Yep, I mentioned Scott. Well, you said Peter and the professor. Kate Stewart is our stage manager who works her patootie off every night and every day. um, Because she let's talk about that role, and we often don't highlight what uh, how the director works and the team that you have that make things happen. Sure. Well, uh, Kate is. Also, our props guru, as I I like to call them, (laughs) um, for this show as well, which uh, was interesting because usually at the beginning of a show, I will sit down with the stage manager and the the props person, which are not always the same person, uh, and we come up with the list of props that we need, but not for this show. I said... Kate, we are going to decide on the props as we go along, as the cast comes up with ideas, as I look at something and go, oh, wait, this is what that should be. Oh, interesting. Um, Because it is a very uh, imaginative, inventive type show. So... um, so she's that's brave of really, her to take that yes. on exactly <laughs> exactly she, but she is so on her game it's uh it, she's yeah she's really pretty pretty special person uh but the stage manager is really the the right hand man um of of the director um she takes notes for people that have missed a rehearsal and that is always a challenge in the summer because mm. people have vacations planned and uh, such. And, of course, this year with all the sicknesses and things that go around, there's usually always someone, at least one person missing um, from rehearsals. So she can uh, keep on top of those kinds of things. Um, she uh, is basically in charge once the <laughs> show opens. The stage manager really runs the show. The director's job is sort of done. Um, and, uh, they are the one backstage making all the magic happen, helping the actors through all of the, not not missing an entrance and Mm -hmm. making sure the timing and everybody's on top and the props are lined up to go out the door and and communicating with the front of house, even that, yes, we're ready to Mm. start the show. Uh, and the, the, folks up in the light booth and the sound booth all, all of those things um it's sort of the central hub is the stage manager and i think that's what's so great about live theater and so how it's so wonderful to be back and in the audience and being with live action happening as you know we had a couple of years of you know lovely you know zoom things or right. <laughs> opportunities to you know, keep keep arts alive but this is you know pretty incredible does that make you feel any different about being back with lot does it give you a deeper appreciation of that experience that's one of the greatest joys of of uh, acting on stage is that interaction with your audience and without the audience there to give you the engagement back you know am i am i (laughs) am i doing it correctly (laughs) i I think to, to presenting something via zoom is is not as satisfying to me. Uh, I, I had a show that I did um, last fall, or no, Christmas, and we were doing it via because of COVID. We were presenting it on, on via Facebook Live, and I still had to have an audience, you know. So that it wasn't going to be a full audience, but I needed my family and friends there because I I can't. My performance isn't as good without that feedback. So there's I, that, I need energy. that energy. I need it. Yeah, mm. it's a very to, much to, a symbiotic relationship. It is. Mm-hmm. 
And how right. do, so how do you build that into rehearsals? Because you you don't have that until you may, maybe sometimes shows have a night for family and friends before you do it in front of a paid audience. Or, uh, you know, tell me about building that because you don't want that to be a complete surprise. Like, when are they going to laugh and when are they going to, um, am I going to need to pause because everybody is absorbing the moment? That's I'm, the timing of that. That's an interesting aspect of theater. We have a lot of laughter for each other and a lot of support. <laughs> and, and you talked about, too, you <laughs> laughing during your yes. acting. You <laughs> well, you always have the director that you're performing right. for. I mm. mean, so... So there's always somebody there that that is giving you feedback and that you're getting energy from and that you you want to impress or all those things, right? Um, so you have that, uh, but yes, it, it, performances change when there's an audience there, <laughs> and and we all that people that have been in theater and been doing it, we know that, and and so. It's great to, I think we're going to need a preview audience for this because there's going to be so much laughter. We have to, we have, to have some, some, uh, uh, some practice in holding our lines for laughter. But uh, you get, there's a difference between opening night and dress rehearsal mm -hmm. if you don't have an audience. And it's the audience, and it elevates everything. Well put. Yeah. And that's essential. And that's why I want, we want folks to come to Peter and the Starcatcher, which is opening up on July 15th. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday run for two weekends in a row. Tickets are at NorthfieldArtsGuild.org. And uh, what else have we missed? What do we need to share? Lots of great stuff. Folks should come see it. Like I said, the tickets are going to sell, so we want to make sure that, that everybody gets uh, there's ahead of time so you can book your time and make sure you have a, a, a seat at the show. Are there going to be the jump seats? Do they still do that? At yes. The, so if you miss out an opportunity, you can come how soon before the show? A half hour before the show. And, and, and there'll be a couple of those extra little spots that you right. can grab. Kind of backless benches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. If you desperately want to get in. Right. right. That's what I love about that theater over there is it is such an intimate space. Mm -hmm. is there are no bad seats mm -mm. there. Yeah. And uh, so if you get your ticket, if you're lucky enough to get a ticket, you're going to have a fun, fun experience. So bring friends, bring family, and uh, it'll be, be a good time. Absolutely. We need to laugh, as you mentioned, Pauline. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to also yeah. give you a chance. We did. We did. We know that um, Black Stash is here, but we didn't mention that you're in costume, too. This is radio and folks don't know. Tell us a little bit about what, what you're doing next. Oh, today? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, uh, I'm just <laughs> I'm going to a photo shoot, which is hilarious because we're taking our own pictures. But uh, <laughs> I'm. Uh, uh, this is the first time I'm saying it. I'm, I I put together, I produced a group, uh, Simon and Garfunkel tribute group, with Barb Piper uh, with two female uh, singers. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much singing the Simon stuff. She's pretty much singing the art stuff, but doesn't matter. And Craig Wozner on piano, uh, Steve Jennings on drums, and Mike Legbold on bass. And we're gonna actually probably gig in in August. And so we thought we needed a picture, and so we're making a picture. <laughs> that will mimic one of their, their iconic album covers. Can't and wait so to see I'm it. I'm very excited for this project, too. Yeah, that's a big undertaking to add to what you're doing is to learn Simon and Garfunkel music. <laughs> that's a joy. It's fun. This is what I'm talking about. When you quit work and start doing the creative stuff, it just feeds you. It feeds you, feeds you, feeds you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so. so how has the theater been? Um, you know, what have you learned, you know, and, and what is it that keeps you coming back to, to theater? Maybe I'll start with uh, Rachel, because you, you are, you know, you've been doing, since you moved here, you've been <laughs> active. I don't know if there's been a, a time where you've taken a break. <laughs> no, 
no, I don't think there has. I, no. um, I've, I've actually been involved in theater since I could walk, literally. My, my mother helped start a theater in Wisconsin oh, called the Sunset Playhouse. In Sunset Playhouse. Sunset Playhouse in Elm Grove, Wisconsin, which is just outside of Milwaukee. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I... I toddled along all the time and the theater kind of was my home and the people there are just like the people here. They're just, everybody wants to hug you and <laughs> <laughs> welcome you into their family. Uh, theater is just a really incredibly welcoming atmosphere. And uh, yeah, so um, so I, I started there and then... Um, I, you know, began acting classes and, and I was the first person in my high school to ever get to direct a show by herself as a, you know, as a student still. Wow. Um, and so that, that just really clued me into the importance of the director. And actually, I was just having this conversation with Noah last night is that being a director actually makes you a better actor mm. because you can see things from a whole new viewpoint. Uh, and I, I just love being able to, like, I consider my job as director to make everybody else look better and, <laughs> you know, and, and be the best that they can be and create the best product possible. And, but I'm in the shadows really, you know, once the show opens, I, you know, I wouldn't even have to be in the building, honestly, um, if I did my job right. <laughs> so I, I usually always am because I feel like it's my baby and I don't want to miss yeah. them, you know, taking their first step. But, um, uh, yeah. It's, so, a, it's a part of you. It's, it is. It really it is. It is a part of me. I love it and I love it. It's in your DNA. I, yes. I, I always say I just want everyone to love theater as much as I do. So... It's That's working. My whole point. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. How about for mm. you, Andy? You've been away for a little while, and now you're back. Oh, it never leaves. Oh. It never leaves. <laughs> you know, it's creative expression, and um, it's so it's so much fun. I, I've always enjoyed theater. I've enjoyed acting. I've enjoyed performing and being a ham, being somebody else that I'm not. Or, you know, actually, maybe I am. Maybe, 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 yeah. maybe Andy's nothing a... more than another persona. But, <laughs> I think we all want to play dress up as kids, and uh, some of us decide we want to play that a little bit more. Yeah, I've been accused many times in my business dealings, you're kind of a bit of a theatric person, aren't you? Your presentations. And why is that? Well, it's, it's, in, it's in the bones. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, it's good to be back on stage. I, I'm very thankful for Rachel allowing me this opportunity, and I'm thankful to get to associate with this lady right here beside me, Pauline. Oh, stop. And, and, yeah, <laughs> no, we're having we're having a good time, and, and um, we're going to do it again. So. Fabulous, love it. Absolutely. And Pauline, you have done so much music, and then occasionally acting. What is and what brings really, you to the theater? Musical theater is my first love, ah. and it'll be my sustaining love till the day I die. I love, love, love musical theater. I love singing in that setting, most of all. But but in general, yes, I, I, that singing is my thing. And um, and I, I don't, you know, there's. I had something to say that was really important, and it just totally left my mind because I didn't write it down because, we, as we said, I'm of certain age. That's because you're, you're creative. I am creative. You're always thinking. It's, uh, you know, it, 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 oh, I know what it is. When you get bitten and by that theater bug or the performance bug, 
and you feel like you belong there, mm -hmm. you it, it, there's this feeling when you get back to it, particularly if you haven't been there for a while, um, that you, 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 your body just kind of relaxes because you're home, mm -hmm. you know? And, and you, you feel that viscerally. So I always want to keep going home, um, my creative home. So that's why I keep going back. And that is a wonderful thing to say and a wonderful reason to come as an audience member to support this. And I think it also brings up that there's opportunities in the community for all kinds of people to be a part of the theater community. Absolutely. And there's always, they're always looking for uh, folks to help out from backstage, on stage, and everywhere in between. Absolutely. We promise we are welcoming. <laughs> and uh, even, even as an audience member, do not feel any less... No, lesser, as an audience member, you are an essential part of the theater, and we appreciate it. Yes. I, I, that's, I love being in that role. That, that works for me. <laughs> so I get to, to fill up from all, all that you bring to the stage. So thank you for being here today on Arts Any Radio. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank, thank you, Paula. You. I want to thank Rachel Hyder, Andrew Artley, and Pauline Jennings, Peter and the Starcatcher, NorthfieldArtsGuild.org. Be sure and buy your tickets so that you can see the show and learn the story it sounds like there's going to be some surprises for us so i cannot wait to uh be a part of that as an audience member folks this is art zany radio for the imagination i hope you always take some time to add some art zany into your life and in the meantime till next time enjoy your imagination you've been listening to art zany Radio for the Imagination with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877.